Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. In your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 17. Now, last couple of weeks, we've looked at, at the authority, how we should be men and women that instead of laying back and just trying to confront things in our life after the fact, that we should be confronting things in our life that keep us from walking in divine health, uh, uh, in divine prosperity, or the favor of God. Uh, there's a big difference between walking in faith in defense and in offense. And I've said this my whole ministry, and that is this, that faith works best on offense. On offense, when you are you're confrontational, I guess if I could... Uh, uh, title this sermon tonight, I'd call it confrontational faith. Now, here's the thing about confrontation. People don't like them because they're not fun and they're not comfortable. They're not. Whatever you have to confront in life, you know, nobody looks forward to it. Nobody's like, well, I can't wait till the next tragedy hits. You can't. Nobody's like that. And, you know, if you notice the world, they kind of live that way from, you know, well, I, things have been going good for about the last three or four weeks. But, man, at any moment now, just wait. It's Somebody's going to be in a wreck. You ever, anybody been around people like that? That's why a lot of people are. Well, they sure ain't no way to live, especially if you know anything about God and know about what God's done for us in Christ. Amen. But if you begin to study the gospel and study the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in the gospels, you'll begin to see someone and a gospel that is postured or has a posture in confrontation or offense. You say, what do you mean by that? It, it, wants, to, it wants to tear down that which withholds and bring in that which God purchased for everyone. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, salvation for those that don't know Him as Lord and Savior. Healing for those whose bodies are broken and, and diseased. Uh, deliverance for those that are uh, afflicted and addicted and oppressed. And joy and peace for the world. Amen. That's literally what God's plan is for the world. And we're caught up in the end of a dispensation which leads to that as an ultimate goal. In the meantime, we're going to have to live by that which the Bible dictates because the grace of God is combined in, what the, in that which the Word dictates to us. Do you understand that? So the grace of, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, we can't go into the old covenant and, and expect to live by any grace in that covenant. It's not there. It's not in that. So the covenant that we're in, that covenant that we're in, it is the grace of God and the, that keeps us in the covenant and keeps that covenant in us working for us. I guarantee you we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven and see all the things that God did for us that we didn't even know He did. Amen. We didn't even know He did. Right. Times when even, all of us individually, uh, uh, us as a church, us as a city, and, and us as a race, or as his family upon the earth, we're going to go, oh my goodness, you mean all that was really going on? Yeah, all that was really going on. I mean, it's a dark and wicked time, but the good news is we have something else to focus on. And if you allow the fire of God to begin to be built on the inside of you, where you become confrontational in your faith, I guarantee you, you're going to begin to have some victories that you've, you've not had up to this point because you've been waiting on God to do something. Amen? Now, the two dimensions in which faith operates in your life many times are in the things in which you let happen in life and the things which you make happen in life. You get super frustrated trying to let things happen that you should be making happen and trying to make things happen which you, try to be, which you should be letting happen. 
Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, things that pertain to our covenant, you're going to have to make them happen. Let me say that again. Things that are in our covenant, you're going to have to make it happen. That means come to Island Church. We're going to teach you the Word of God. We're going to show you how to make it happen. How did you find out? We learned it from the Word of God. Been practicing it for all these years. But you're going to have to learn how to take the Word of God and make application of it to your current situation. Sure, God. Listen, God can do anything you allow Him to do. You must allow Him to do it, though, because He has His own protocol and He has His own way of doing things. I really wish He would do things my way, but I have found out He doesn't. Amen? No, He does things His way. How does He do things? God's way. Isaiah 55 says His ways are higher. His acts are higher. His knowledge is greater. I think He's a pretty, pretty good one to keep in charge. Now, I begin to think about uh, all the teaching I've done over the years out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 here in the church and, and all over the place. And it's, it's, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the actual story in the Bible, but it's one of my favorite illustrations of confrontational faith. It shows all types of, of the dimensions of the drama. Everything from the opposition Everything from the impossibility, everything from other people being mad at you and other people thinking you can't do it because you don't have any experience, to, to, to you name it. Other people want you to fight uh, the battle in their armor. Can you imagine? Now this is just in a, in, a, in a young man. But this is what's unique about David. David knew God. He knew God. However you can know God, how David knew God, he knew God. Now, now let, let, me, let me qualify that because yeah, you could go teach on that. There, there are a few men in the Bible that, that got very close to what I would call new covenant relationships with God. One of them was Moses. The other was David. And David violated some, some very big laws and got away with it because of his revelation of the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And I guarantee you that saved his life many times. But... In the Word of God, we must understand a greater spirit than David could have ever, ever dreamed of abides in us and lives in us. And where he did not have the empowerment of the Spirit on the inside to obey the Word of his day and hour, we do. But we have to put it into practice or we have to put it into, into uh, we have to be confrontational with it, put it into practice. If you don't live a life practicing, now I've heard, I heard these terms many times. My dad, my, my dad for many years practiced law up until the week that he, that he went to heaven. Practice law. Uh, they talk about doctors. They have a, a, a medical practice. Well, you, you need to learn to, to, to practice your Christianity or your faith your whole life. That means everywhere my pops went, he was a lawyer. He was a Christian lawyer. That was rare. Amen. Probably got a special, special house up in heaven. Amen. <laughs> There used to be a good joke about that, but I forgot it, so praise God. Anyway. But it's, it was their, they were caught up in it. It was their life. You've you got to understand, what God has given us through His Word and by His Spirit, we have to get caught up with it, and we have to take it, and we have to become confrontational with it. Instead of just laying back and going through life and letting the devil just beat our brains out and then come to church and say, Lord, we need some help. Amen. Well, praise God, we'll help you. We'll do what we can. 
But if you, if you don't get into this position or posture in your life, you're going to be doing that all the time until it wears you out. Because the devil has a way of doing that. You ever notice how he, like the Bible says, it's the little foxes that spoil the, it's all the little things the devil knows how to do here and there and this and that. And you know, you're, 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 you have a flat on your, on your car and your dishwasher breaks down and you know, your dog needs help and your wife needs a new dog and you know, all these things begin to happen. <laughs> you ever notice though? And how they can so distract you because they are, they are competing for your attention. Uh, uh, give me attention. Give me attention. Financial problem, I need some attention. This pro health problem needs some attention. And don't get me wrong, you've got to give your problem some attention. But you've got to give them the right attention. Because if you come in there and agree with them, they're, you bet, and they're going to be the reality of your life. But immediately upon my realization that this is not of God, I do not agree with them. The symptoms, the reports, or anything else about it, no matter what I have to go through to fight it and get over to the other side, in which I'm standing in the victory that I'm already standing in in faith. Amen. You know, you got to be careful because a lot of people get to that place where, I'll tell you what, if I, if I could just see it, I'll believe it. We don't think we get to that place, but many times that's what we're doing when we're talking doubt and unbelief. Now, here's the unique thing about David. We already see his pedigree as far as, the, as far as what God wanted him to be in the lineage that brought Jesus to the earth. He's got that. Chosen of God by Samuel the prophet. Anointed of God. We know this anointing was upon him in chapter 16 because Saul, who had gotten into sin and the demon powers had gotten upon him, David would come and play on his harp and sing psalms that he had written out there serving God and he would refresh or deliver Saul of these demon powers. Then Saul and all the armies of Israel went off to fight the Philistines. And when they went off to fight the Philistines, instead of David just hanging around the palace and, you know, doing nothing, he went back to his father's house and began to tend his father's sheep. And in doing that, the stage is set for the story, which shows us that David was a man of character and that faith is a force of character, which looks at a situation and knows how to fit into it in such a way in which it will benefit. See, he came back under parental authority, which could have benefit him, benefited him much more at his age than hanging around a palace unsupervised. Amen. Sometimes we don't realize what we get ourselves into until we get ourselves into it. But listen, if you always look for righteousness in everything, you know, Jesus said it there in John, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 3, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Listen, when sin is finally out of your life and you're not dealing with sin anymore, you need to fulfill all righteousness, which means to look for the mercy of God in every situation. If that mercy is not there in that situation, you turn and walk away from it. That's something you have to learn by the Word of God. Part of living for God. So all of a sudden, he's basically given an order by his dad to take some food to his brothers at a battle in which being engaged in this battle is a giant and a giant problem. Never had a giant problem. <laughs> Amen. I mean, if you've ever had a giant problem, then you know what I'm talking about. So let's pick it up. Chapter 17. I, I like it in the King James. I've read, read it in all kind of other translations. I like it in the King James. 
It says, Now the Philistines gathered together, the armies to battle were gathered together at Sokoah, which belongeth unto Judah, and pitched the tents between Akoa and Azaraha in Ephrath Domindon. Dom, uh, you say it, I can say it better than that next time. <laughs> and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Eli and set the battle in array, army against army, the, uh, battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion, now notice this, out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and targets of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his, beard, uh, of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed... Uh, Spearhead weighed 600 shekels and one, and one bearing a shield went before him. Now notice this. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why come ye out to set the battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you. Let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. Now, this was both a visual and an audio, visual and audio intimidation. Something, something that could be seen and something that could be heard. Now, this is how your enemy comes to you. Whether it's a big giant or a little giant. He always acts like the giant, no matter what it is. You ever notice that? Tries to make it some big giant deal out of everything he, everything he ever tries to do. So he comes. Now, notice very carefully. Many times the enemy loves to be very detailed in what he's do, doing in your life. Very, very, there's all of these variables. You know what I'm talking about? Especially if you deal with a health problem, there'll be all these variables. Many times people deal with other types of problems that have all these different variables, these different angles, these different dramas going on. You've got to learn to allow the Holy Ghost to help you simplify things. Now let me say this. Sometimes, if you're going through something very, very tough, physically, financially, maritally, you've got to make your life smaller to do that. Let me say that again. Sometimes, if you're going through something, you say, what do you mean make it smaller? You get, you get rid of a lot of the fluff. And you keep in that which is helping you and helping you get through what you're going through. Your prayer, your study of the Word, you come to church, you be in all the services, you come to prayer. Listen, it's amazing. If you'll fight, there are people that will help you fight through what you're going through. You say, here at Island Church? I'm telling you, here at Island Church. I mean, we've got anointed prayer that goes on around you. I mean, we get in there and we intercede. I guarantee you, heaven and earth come together. Many times all you got to do is come in there and begin to worship and pray and intercede. It's amazing how God begins to work on your life. But I tell you, whatever it is, in order to get into that posture of resistance when your enemy is blowing himself up like this big giant and giving you all of these different facets of who he is and what he can do and his reputation which, perceive, which, which came before him because if, he, if you study back the lineage of Goliath of Gath, it goes all the way back to a very strange time upon the earth. 
and why while why giants made it after the after the flood, we're just gonna have to ask God one day. But they did. But they did. And there they were, settled in that area of, of the Philistines. And the Philistines were the best metallurgists on the earth. They could do anything with metal. They could make swords. They could make spears. They could make armor. They could make anything. Listen, the armies of the world would come to them to, 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 to help them get uh, all the implements of war. So, so this thing's pretty fierce. But now notice how this giant is making it personal. Now, let me say this to you. There's a lot that's going on in the world that you need to guard yourself about because if you're not, if you're not careful, the enemy will try to drag you into a fight and cause you to view it as something personal when it's something that's going on in the world right now. Amen? That's why I just don't take this old world too seriously. I mean, we're living in one of the most critical times this earth has ever known. I don't know how alarmed you are in your spirit, but in my spirit, I'm sensing, I'm sensing some things that are... I'm, I'm telling you why I'm praying so much, why I'm believing God, is because there are some things the enemy wants to do that if he even halfway does it, it's going to be horrible. And that's where we need an awakening is in the people of God, in the church of God, to wake up and realize this giant is going to loom up. What are we going to do? Are we going to confront it? Are we going to allow... Notice the enemy, what he's doing. He's trying to say, I'm the one that sets the rules for the fight. Notice that? That's exactly what he's doing. He said, I'm the one, I'm setting the rules for the fight. I know we got two armies here. Oh, that's all well and good, but I'm a big guy. So what I'm saying is this. You want to end this thing and end it right now? Send me someone that I can fight with him. See, he was making that challenge at Saul because Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel in statute and height. So he was challenging that king, but that king had better sense to go down there because that king knew he had lost his anointing. That anointing of God was not on him. That divine protection that he had when he, when he was anointed king by Samuel, when he was hiding among the stuff, it, that wasn't on him anymore. He'd, he'd got, that had come off of him because he had gotten into sin. And who'd God put it on? The most least likely individual, least likely individual in the nation. Now notice this. Verse 10 says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Now notice this. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Uh, one translation says they lost all hope. Now you hear the challenge. See, we really don't know the weight of that challenge. We've never, uh, now, now there may be someone here from another nation or something that may understand this, but we as Americans really do not know the weight of this challenge with somebody saying, now look, we win and all, all your family, your wives, your daughters, your sons, they're going to be our slaves. That means we will own them and we will do anything we want to to them. You realize that? That's, that, that, that's the deal. That's the, that's the standard that this giant was trying to set. Notice it looks like kind of an all or nothing thing. Many times that's what the enemy wants to make it look like. Here's the thing. If you allow him, he will take a little bitty drama and turn it into a great big drama. He'll take a mountain, he'll take a molehill and turn it into a mountain. 
Don't let him do that. You say, how do you do that? Don't cooperate with him. Don't speak his words. Don't think his thoughts. Don't let his emotions that he tries to put on you, don't let that move you or stir you. Stay with the Word of God, with what the Word of God says. Keep it running through your mind. Continue to praise and worship God and make your stand, but make an offensive stand, not like you're backing up trying to fight a battle and win, but that you're pushing forward and possessing what is yours in Christ. Refusing, just refuse, just refuse to be sick. You say, how do I do that? I don't know. I've had to do it before. It wasn't very comfortable. It wasn't. Amen. There's sometimes you just got to refuse to be broke. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, you just quit acting like it and talking like it and moaning and groaning like it. You got you have to quit at some time allowing whatever your current situation is to continue to call the shots and rise up like a giant in your life. Now notice. Notice this. I, I love this. is such a cool story. You know, all of the religions of the world have this story in it. And all of the religions of the world talk about it being a Jewish boy. That's amazing. That's just amazing. It says, uh, verse 12 says, Now David was the son of the Ephraimite of Bethlehem, of Judea, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons. And the man went for among men, uh, for an old man in the days of Saul. He was old, respected, and an elder in Israel. The three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his sons uh, that went to the battle were Eli, the firstborn, next unto him Abinadab, and then the third Shammah. And David was the youngest. And the three eldest followed Saul. But David, now notice this, went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. The Philistine drew, dear, drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now to thy brethren an ephath of this parched corn, and these ten cheeses, and run to the camp to thy brethren, carry these ten cheeses unto his captains, and unto their thousands, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. He's basically saying, go, go find out if they need you to do anything. You know, now they're fighting in the battle, because he didn't know what was going on. They're fighting in the battle, so we've prepared some food, now we got some food. Now we're going to do it the right way. We're going to give it to the captains and the, you know, the officers and, the, and then your brothers. And then you ask them, is there anything that I can do? Amen. I've always noticed that, that servants have a, have a very bold heart. I heard a military leader say this one time. There's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. Amen. Now notice it says, now Saul and all the men of Israel. Uh, we're in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him and came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brother. Now all of this we see and why it is so detailed is God's trying to show us the character of a man of faith who is confrontational in his faith. He's doing everything that needs to be done in a responsible way. He leaves the sheep with a keeper. He leaves the carriage in the hand of the keeper. He's doing it the right way, the right time, with the right attitude, with the right heart. Listen, you can do it right. Yes. 
I don't care how the devil's been beating your mind up and how much, how much you've gone through in the past where you haven't got it right. That doesn't mean you can't get it right now and that you can't keep getting it right in this faith thing, in this healing thing, in this prosperity thing, in this living for the Lord life. I guarantee you, don't quit. Stay with it. Don't let those failures mess you up. I said, don't let those failures mess you up. You get yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you say, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I'm going to put my past behind me, and I'm going to keep on moving forward. You say, well, what if I mess up again? You do the same thing again and again and again. But one day, you're going to have to make a choice. Because if you don't confront it, it will end up confronting you. And if you're not in a position of a servant who's following God, then what are you going to do? Now notice what it says. It says, how's my time? Oh, I've got a couple of minutes. Here we go. <laughs> it says, and all the men of Israel, verse, uh, where is that? Verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled and were sore afraid, greatly afraid, and, or had lost all hope. And uh, oh, verse 23, the one before it, should have read that one. It says, as he talked with them, or David, verse, uh, let me get it here, verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper and ran into the army and came and saluted his brother. So David's there, he's there. And as he talked with them, now notice, behold, there came out the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. Now notice this though, and David heard them. And all of the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. So David comes into their midst and he's got cheese sandwiches and all this stuff. And he puts it down and he's all excited because the battle's going on. And he's waiting to see some, somebody do some great thing. And this giant walks out and begins to say just what we read back in the first part of the chapter. Is anybody out there come fight with me? Send me a man that I might fight with them. Because if I win, you'll be our slaves. If you win, we'll be your slaves. But this time David heard it. Because there, listen, there's not just one way to hear something. You might hear something come into your ear that's bad. and There's another way to hear that thing. We'll, we'll pick that up in a little bit. I need to finish this if we go that direction. He said, they fled, were so afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen? Now notice all the senses here. Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Has he come up? And it should be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him great with riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. No more taxes. Woo! Daughter thing didn't work out too good. And David spake to the man, and David spake to the men that stood, that stood by, that stood by him saying, So what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? Now notice this. And taketh away the reproach from Israel. Now notice this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now that, that's a little different than run away, run away, run away. Amen? That's why you've got to spend time with God. Because things are going to rise up in your life. And you're going to have one of two reactions. And one reaction is going to be, oh, no, no, oh, no. What, what am I going to do? Or another, the other reaction will be this. How dare this thing try to attack me like that? 
How dare it come against my mind? How dare it come against my body? How dare it come against my finances? How dare it come against my children? How dare it come? How dare it come against me? Why doesn't it know that I'm a child of God Almighty? that I'm washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm in covenant with the creator of the universe through the blood of his son that loves me? Where's your, where's your confrontational faith, see? You've got to be like that. So I just think that's a little too sensational. Well, the devil will make sure he's sensational. He'll give you all kinds of hollering and shouting and all kinds of reasons to go crazy. But I guarantee you, if you'll make a decision, I'm going to stand fast on the Word of God. I'm going to worship God in the midst of all of this. I'm going to go through this in faith. I'm going to appropriate the grace I need. I'm going to get focused on Him and stay focused on Him. I guarantee you, you're going to get a breakthrough. You're going to get what you need. And the devil is going to be proved defeated 2,000 years ago. David's like, man, this is a reproach. Did you know it's a reproach for you to be sick? Did you know that? You say, now how can you say that, Pastor? Because of the price that Jesus paid for you to be healed. It is a reproach for you not to have the money that you need, not to be able to pay. That is a reproach from hell upon you. It's not there legally. It's not there legally. You've got to get it off of you. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live under the poverty that is trying to take a hold of my life. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God like when, when the pastor took the offering. I'm going to start giving so the more I give, the more I want to give. Amen? I guarantee if you'll do that, you know, there's a, there's a, there, there's a terminology. That's, that, that's all my time. There's a terminology called muscle memory. You know about it? You know, people play baseball, play tennis, play this, play that, you know. I, I guess my major uh, muscle memory is in, uh, is in surfing and in badminton, things that I've done for, for years. There were some people that came and visited our badminton game today, and I was try to, trying to explain to them how in tennis, you know, in tennis you just, you just rear back and, and whack the ball, but in badminton you've got to play with your wrist. You've got to keep your elbows up next to you and play with your wrist. And I said, once you do it a while, what I used to do when I first started playing with my dad and all those old lawyers he used to play with, I'd go in there early and I'd take one of those badminton deals and I'd pull my, pull my elbow up next to my side and I'd hit it with my wrist. 10, 15, 20 times. Then I'd start getting dizzy. I'd have to stop. And I'd do it again, do it again, do it until I built muscle mem memory into my wrist to play that game. Now you have spiritual, quote, muscle memory built by the Word of God in your human spirit activated by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. And if you'll build that spiritual muscle memory into your heart, then when you exercise it, it's going to be strong. Amen? But if you're not exercising it, you say, now what do you mean by that? Let's take healing for, for, for an example. You should, every day, you should be rehearsing healing scriptures. And that doesn't mean you're in some regimented, oh, i got to say my healing scriptures. Let me go there. Here's the first one. Here's the, You don't do that. You build it into the communication part of your life. You get up in the morning, maybe three of the scriptures are alive. Oh, Father, I thank you. Jesus was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity, chastisement of my peace was upon by his stripes. I am here. I declare myself this day the healed of God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, as I go down to breakfast, I thank you. You bless my bread and my water. You take all sickness from the midst of me. 
And then, you know, maybe after breakfast you're on your way to work or, or something like that, taking the kids to school, and you're kind of like, well, thank you, Father. You've delivered me from the power of darkness. You've translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Quickens. Makes alive, mama. Boy, you just get so excited. Hallelujah. Spirit of God living on the inside of me. Makes alive. That means out of my, out of my very spirit being, by faith, through my confession, healing power is released. It goes into every molecule of my body. Energize. See, I start thinking about that. I start getting excited. Energizes my body. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You say, do you feel it? No, but I act like I do. It's part of my spiritual muscle memory. Amen. And so you do that, you know, a week, a month, four months, six months. Starts to get to the fall next year and the enemy tries to attack you with the flu. You've been doing that all that time. Then all of a sudden your muscle memory kicks in. And you're like, wait a second, Lord, I'll be right back. Now you lying devil, it is written. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. Chastisement of my peace was upon. By his stripes, I am the healed of God. Therefore, I say to you, you foul, oppressing spirit of the flu, I'll not receive you. I'll resist you in Jesus' name. And I believe I'll receive healing right now in Jesus' name, and I shall have it. Therefore, I'm just going to worship God. Worship God. He said, what if you don't feel any better? Keep worshiping God. Keep worshiping God. He said, what if I don't feel any better? Keep worshiping God. Keep worshiping God. Keep thanking God. And I've heard people say, well, you get to a point where you just get wore out, then you're not worshiping. Might as well be honest. Might as well be honest. If you're really worshiping, you're not going through the motions. I mean, if you're tired, sit down on the couch. If you're dying, lay down on the floor. <laughs> Lift your hands up to heaven. Go glory to God. I believe I receive healing. You do that. Listen, do that with your last breath. You say, why? Because we fight life through. We fight that fight of faith. And we must be confrontational. Let, let's not listen. David's story of his confrontation with Goliath, and we'll pick this up next week. The story is the greatest example in the body of taking the fight to the enemy. Not trying to hide, not trying to say, oh man, you know, we've made it a month. We've made it a year. We've made it two. No, no. Anything that comes into your life, instead of it confronting you, you confront it. Because the opposite wears you out. It discourages you. That's why a lot of people, they come and they hear enough teaching to get started in something, but when the true opposition of that teaching comes, it's like, whoa. Well, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. Well, what did you think it was going to be? You thought it was going to be easier if you didn't do this? Because that's the deception. That's why Paul said, I know in whom I've believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've delivered. See, what you've delivered is your faith. What you've delivered is what you're saying. What you've delivered is what, is what your heart is fixed upon. And then you say, well, you know, it's kind of getting redundant saying this about authority and the power of God and doing these. You, you, you bet it is. And it's going to get more redundant and more repetitious as we just continue to just pound you, pound. So why? Because there's stuff coming that this better be working in your life before it gets here. Amen. I mean, I thank God it was working to the extent that it was when COVID hit. But man, we're not going to get caught like that again. 
No, we're going to build, we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to be led by the Holy Ghost. We're going to hear from the Lord. And we're going to fulfill our, our calling and destiny by going to the nations and doing what call, God's called us to do, by building that church and doing everything. We're going to do it. We're going to do it aggressively. We're going to do it on offense. We're not going to try to back up and become some victim that needs, you know, funds. We're not going to do that. We're going to press in and we're going to prove that the Word, of, that's what the Bible says, prove all things. Hold fast to that which, that which is good. And we've, we've, listen, we've been, been too far, seen too much, fought too long. Because there's no other answer upon the earth other than living for God and living by faith in these last days to the point which you can appropriate the maximum amount of grace and mercy that you need in your life and then be someone who can let go of or release the maximum amount of compassion from God into other people's lives. I guarantee you, those type of people that live that lifestyle in these last days, they will see God. Amen. And they will see the mighty things that God does. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, we thank you for confrontational faith in the hearts of God's people. That everything the enemy's trying to do on every level of people's lives, and their finances, health, marriage, kids, investments, business, job, no matter what it may be, Lord, we stand in faith for the provision of God and the blessing of God. That which God has appropriated for us. That which God has given us in Christ. That which faith appropriates. That which grace supplies. That which righteousness fulfills upon the earth. Father, we know in our hearts, in our spirit, Jesus is coming soon. Prepare us for that which you desire to do upon the earth in and through the church that will be here when Jesus comes back. Let our hearts burn for souls. Let us walk in your protection and safety. We stand upon your word in Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Father, we thank you. A thousand could fall at our side or ten thousand at our right hand. But only with our eyes we behold and see the reward of the wicked. We thank you, Father, financially. We will not lose what we have. And we will increase in the midst of decrease. We'll step forward when others are stepping back. We thank you that we'll be bold. We'll be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That God is the strength of our heart. That we will not be like those whose hearts fail them for that which is coming upon the earth. But we will be those ones that are bold in the Holy Ghost. As they were in Acts chapter 4 and saw the signs and wonders and miracles of God. Thank you, Father. Give us the wisdom, the strength, the purpose and the wherewithal to move forward in all the good things that you have for us. And Father, we thank you. We will not be distracted by the world, flesh, or devil as we enter into these most terrible of times and most glorious of times. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood empowered by the Word and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.